This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Upstairs to your left. Smoking's upstairs to your left. Smoking's upstairs. Hey, Ray. Is Dolly Parton giving you a percentage of the profit? What can I do for you, gentlemen? You the guy with the Van Halen tickets? That could be. How much you want for something in the first ten rows? Twenty bucks a piece. Those tickets are only twelve fifty. So don't buy them. Come on, Arnold. All the other scalpers are sold out. Scalper? Did you call me a scalper? Listen, gentlemen, I perform a service here, and the service costs money. Now, do you want the tickets or don't you? Okay, we'll take them. All right, what did I say, 25? 20. Hey, what's up? This is Josh Todd from Buck Cherry, and you're listening to The Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. What's going on, everybody? Good evening to you. This is Jay Scott. Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, the ultimate 
Rock Community Podcast. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying healthy. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, so check out my fellow podcasters on PantheonPodcast.com, Pantheon Pods on Twitter. You can check out my guys and shout out Loudcast. You can check out Mistress Carrie out in Boston, Martin Popoff, The Rock Historian, Carmen Apice, Vinny Apice, Cobras and Fire, a whole bunch of podcasts to check out music-related podcast. Happy to be a part of that family. And wherever you're listening right now, please subscribe and follow whatever platform you're using, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, Deezer, whatever you do to podcast, please follow and subscribe. Write us a review if you so choose. Let us know what you think of the latest episodes or episodes that you're listening to. And give us a follow on Twitter and a like on Facebook. You can follow us both at The Hook Rocks. And we are ready to welcome in our next guest. She's a repeat offender. She's one of my favorite guests. She's a joy to have on. She's an open book. The author, the acclaimed author of Unrated Revelations of a Rock and Roll Centerfold, Miss Carrie Stevens. How you doing, Carrie? I'm doing great. And thank you so much, uh, I actually had no idea, and I thought I, I thought I was pretty well connected in the uh, podcast scene. You know, since my book came out, um, I've made the round. But you just mentioned a few that I didn't know about, like Carmen Apathy. I, I didn't know he had a podcast, so uh, I'll have to start listening. I mean, like he's he's pretty. Uh, I don't know. He's right up there, like uh, with one of my favorite drummers and a nicest guy. So yeah, I would, um, I would yeah. love to interview Carmine. Carmine is like a walking history book of rock and roll. When you consider he's been around since the late sixties with um, Vanilla Fudge. Oh my Fudge. god! Seriously, yeah. I, okay. Vanilla Fudge. That makes and then me it, feel a little bit better because you know I just had a birthday. Well, you just turned twenty five. So <laughs> yes, I did. But but I. I, I <laughs> But uh, that means that, okay, we're joking. I, I, I'm glad I'm as old as I am because I saw some great concerts in the 80s. However, uh, I, I, okay, I'll be honest, I was born in 1969, and Carmine looks incredible. That is proof that rock and roll keeps you young. Well, yeah, I mean, he's been in Vanilla Fudge, he's been in Cactus, he's been in the Rod Stewart Band. Uh, in the 80s, it was King Cobra and Blue Murder. And then you know, he's just done so much. Now he's overseeing this new band called Kodiak that's out of, I believe they're out of New Jersey. And they're a band that's a new band that's really ready to come on the scene. They're like and, he, a, and he was actually, he was friends with Eric Carr, who I think everyone knows. Yeah. You know, my, my relationship with him. And uh, I believe he's in, is he in the Rock Bowl? But, uh, well, I don't know. They're back in action, yeah, but there's a show in Las Vegas, uh, Rock Vault, and I know Paul Shortino's in it, Bloss, Elias, um, I, I, every once in a while, like, all of our favorite rock stars jump in and make uh, appearances. Um, they, they, they switch around the, um, you know, the cast a lot, but I, I, okay, it could be my imagination, but I think he might be in that. He very well could be. Yeah, he very well could be. I know Jay Shellen from the band Hurricane also is does the rock and roll vault. I think. Well, I went to one of their shows, and and unless it's my imagination, I thought I saw it there. 
again, it's been a while. It could be my imagination. Yeah, him and his well, brother. Wishful, yeah. wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. He should be in it if he's not. Yeah, I mean, him and his brother Vinny, uh, uh, it's Carmen Apice and Vinny Apice. They both pronounce their na- last names different. Vinny, of course, you know, was in Dio. Wait, they do? The, uh, okay, then I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Yeah. No, it's... So, uh, wait, they're brothers, yet they don't agree on the pronunciation of their last name? I don't know the backstory of it. I, maybe I'll have Carmine on and I can ask him why that is, because that's an interesting question. Uh you yeah, know. how many years apart are they? Do you know what you're? I, I don't know. I know. I, I know. Vinny's the younger yeah, I, one. Vinny's the younger one. Carmine's older. Um, I know Vinny's played in. Dio. Okay, yeah. The pronun- the pronunciation of the name is either because uh, the fans have it confused, but I would be actually curious um, if the brothers disagree or not. That's a great question. Well, no, they they do pronounce it differently because Vinny goes by Vinny Apice. And Carmine goes by Carmine goes by Carmen Apice. Well, you know what? If I was a woman, I would go by uh, Apice because you know what? It sounds kind of like an easy way to make the money on OnlyFans. <laughs> hey, you, you know, know I'm totally joking. I know. I know. I, you know that was supposed to be funny, and you're supposed to laugh. I am laughing on the inside, Carrie. Apice. <laughs> No, that is a great last name. Like a like a like, for, a, like a like a piece of ass. Like you a know? piece of ass. <laughs> Carry a piece. That was I. I would make a lot of money if I called myself Carry a piece and did you know, like photos to match. I mean, yeah, I'm a little sick. Excuse me, funny but sick. You can, that time. could be like your alter ego. Like um, you've got Carrie Stevens and then Carry a piece. You know, like if you want. Wanna... No, no. Somebody's probably already doing that. Um, I have to go fix my Wikipedia because my uh, PR agent told me the other day that there's some uh, thing attached to my Wikipedia where it was like some porno girl name. I have to, I, no, I can't remember what she told me it was, but she's like, who's like Chanel Stevens? It's on your Wikipedia. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, I'm not. I've never used that name. It's not me. I don't know who put it on my Wikipedia. Uh, I guess, you know what? I'm so used to people stealing my identity and I've gone through it, like this birth of the internet. So at least 25 years, I have been having to fight imposter accounts and send them signs, like holding up, you know, a sign. Hi, I'm really Carrie Stevens in my ID and, 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 you know what? It, it gets so old after a while. I'm just like, you know what? Go ahead, use my name. I, use my identity. I, it's not really worth that much, you know. Like, if she can, I guess they're trying to get hooker jobs or whatever they can get out of it. Like, more power to you. I guess I don't know. Like, do you have like, to? Yeah, well, do you have to apply for a hooker job? I mean, you no, know? I, I, no, they, they, they do hooker jobs. Uh, okay. Not that I'm an expert in hooker jobs, but in in the age of the internet, it's a very competitive business. So think about all of the websites that are out with scam girls and and so okay, what I dealt with, and I want to say it was at least twenty years ago. You know, like they used to use Playmates photos on these hooker sites, and then they would do a switch and date. So like someone would pay for. Carrie Stevens with my image and then I don't know what 
honestly, I don't know what happens. Maybe the madam says, oh, Terry's sick today, so we're sending someone else who, <laughs> like, already took their money. I, I, I don't know. Like, but over time, I just thought, well, you know, now I'm older, and there's so many younger girls that are preyed on, so I, I didn't really think it was going to be a problem for me anymore. And when it, when it was a problem for me, all I had to do is call Playboy Security Office, and they shut they shut him right down. Uh, now there is no Playboy Security Office. There, that's all gone. And honestly, I haven't been bothered by stuff like that in so long. Um, you know, that's one good thing about aging. Like I, I don't get offered hooker jobs, and nobody uses my name on hooker sites. But they do use me, um, my old photos, and do imposter sites. And I feel so sorry for people like that because. I don't know what they really look like, but obviously they're unhappy with who they are and they're uncomfortable in their own skin and they just want to be someone else. And honestly, I, I almost feel bad for them and I don't mind if they want to pretend to be me for a minute. However, if you're using my name and making me have a bad reputation by uh, basically advertising me as a hooker, then, uh, and you're making money off of it, then yes, you deserve to have your ass sued. So, uh, actually, I've been super busy this week. I have not had time to Google Chanel Stevens or understand why the hell she's on my Wikipedia, but it's not me, and <laughs> I'll take care of it. Please let us know. Please keep us updated on what happens with Chanel Stevens. Um, yeah, well, no. Please don't go Googling her or anybody and giving her attention because that's what she wants, so I shouldn't have even mentioned it. Well... Last time we had you on, we, we talked about your book and all the, the journey that you've had and the adventure that you've had. And we really discussed a lot. We really went into really in depth um, into the book. It was a conversation that a lot of my listeners enjoyed. It's one of my most listened to episodes. Uh, honestly, I couldn't listen to it. I, I couldn't listen to it, Jay. Do you know why? Because you are so good at what you do. It's almost like, it was almost like, a session with uh, a psychiatrist or a therapist and we went so deep that I was like, I couldn't believe how much I opened up to you. And I, yeah, it made me not, I don't mean this as an insult. I mean it as the ultimate compliment. Like you really understood me and you got me in so many ways that an actual therapist or psychiatrist wouldn't be able to figure out like you helped me understand a lot of why I do what I do why I am who I am and you know when I'm brave enough I'm going to listen to it again because there's a lot of things you analyzed about me that I should really work on and thank you for pointing them out well, I appreciate that. It, I, to me, it was it was just a conversation, and I read your book and I picked up on a lot of things. And it was just nice to sit down and have a chat and talk to you about things that maybe some of the other podcasts that you were on that were great. You know, especially you know with with Tom and Zeus, I really enjoyed that one. But oh my god, those guys are such a blast! I yeah. love them. But yeah, you know what? What we do is we have fun. You know, we laugh, uh, and, um, but you know, they're like, not my shrinks like you are. <laughs> well, I think, I think also too, Ace Von Johnson told me it was like a, t- it was like a Ted talk. 
Oh, no, Ace is my new therapist, too, by the way. Ace, is, I, Ace met, is, a, is a true gent. He is. Yes. Ace has become uh, a good friend, even though I've never met Ace in person. Um, you introduced us just because I wanted some advice about Patreon. And I never did do Patreon. I ended up, you know, briefly on OnlyFans. But Ace generously gave me his, his time and his advice. And, and it's kind of like you. Like, somehow, like, we just ended up getting close like we just he's actually one of um I don't like I said it's weird because I've never met him but I trust him you know like I I feel like I can tell him anything and he doesn't judge he gets me he is never trying to come on to me or hit on me or use me for anything like he's just a genuine, genuine person, and he he gets he just gets me, and I appreciate you introducing us because I feel like you know I have a lifelong friend now. Yeah, Ace. I is, hope you're listening, Ace. I love you. <laughs> Ace is a great dude. I mean, he was on, and, and you know, I didn't expect you know our conversation to go that long, and the conversation I had with Ace was like over an hour and a half, almost two hours too. So. Um, I've never even spoken to him on the phone, and I feel like he's one of my best friends. We, um, when I get to LA, all three that of us sounds a go little out. crazy. That kind of sounds like I don't have any friends, but I do. I do have a lot of friends. I just kind of my circle gets smaller and smaller, and I share my time um, with less people than ever. And and honestly, like he's one I just feel safe with. I don't know why. I I just do. Yeah, so when we when I get out to LA, hopefully this summer, all of us will go out to lunch or dinner. That'll be a blast. Yes, I cannot wait because you're in Chicago, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I think I told you this before. I was supposed to be in Illinois for a whole month this summer shooting a movie. Uh, pre-production was slated for May. Now we're in May. I haven't heard anything, so um. I don't know if the movie's still happening or not. I sure hope so, because then I can hang out with you in Chicago on my days off. There you go. That sounds like a blast. Hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah. that comes to fruition. Well, you know what? COVID's almost over. We are. Uh, I don't really pay attention to the news um, outside of. You know, I know what's going on in California, but uh, I, you know, I'm still very close. To my Irish friends, my second home is Galway, Ireland, and they are so far behind us. I feel so sad for them. I'm usually in Ireland every summer, dying to go back. But you know, California, we have now. Okay, I don't understand this. A couple months ago, we were the epicenter of COVID. Now suddenly, like we have the lowest rate of any state, and almost everyone's vaccinated. Uh, I don't like talking about it only because none of it makes sense to me. And I have purposely stayed out of the drama. I have a beautiful message, actually several. Um, and no one knows I do this, but I screenshot all of the messages that mean a lot to me. I can't always write back to everyone because I don't know who's on the other side of that screen. And if I write back, usually if I give someone an inch, they take a mile. It doesn't mean... If I say thank you for the beautiful message, now 
write to me 80 times a day. I please don't. But, you know, so I, I can't write back to everyone, but I do screenshot the ones that are very meaningful that I want to reread over and over. And I got one yesterday that said, you know what, Carrie, you have kept us feeling good through this pandemic. All of your posts are feel good. And I didn't want you to think that was unnoticed and just thank you. And I wrote back and I said, you know, I've consciously stayed out of the bickering. I've stayed out of the tension, the ugliness. The I've, I've done my own thing. I've just been myself and done my own thing and take me or leave me. And that was how I lived. And I really didn't notice that anyone appreciated it. So thank you for writing me to tell me that you did. So that was cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, especially when you get feedback, instant feedback from fans and people who follow you and stuff. That's that's a, that's a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, that was on my personal Facebook. And it's not – that person is – I don't know. He's, I hate – I hope he's not listening. But some guy in a band I, – I, I don't remember what band he's in. I just have <laughs> – I have a lot of friends that are musicians. So I rarely let anyone on my personal Facebook page, but if you're like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, and I, I assume you're cool because you're friends with certain people. Uh, and they just happen to be in bands because a lot of my friends are. So yeah, it was some guy in a band. <laughs> Honestly, well, I don't know. Well, speaking band. of bands and speaking of feel good stuff. Oh yeah, we're supposed to be talking about Van Halen. Yes. Yes. We're supposed to be talking about yes! Van Halen. And, my you know, favorite subject. Yes, and I figured you because we've done shows on bands before. We did a show on Maiden, Y&T, Metallica, Dokken, and we do like these legacy shows of what the band was like and what they were and what their legacy is. And I just did a show this past week about Eddie Van Halen, the innovator of guitar and custom guitars and the Brown sound and all the technical aspects of his playing and also what he meant to the custom guitar world. I mean, it's just because he basically built his first guitar from scratch. Um, he took different parts. Yeah, the Frankenstrat and everything. So a good follow-up to that episode is the legacy of Van Halen. And I know you're a huge fan, and I couldn't think of anyone that would rather talk about Van Halen with than Kerry Stevens. You have had a friendship with David Lee Roth. You mentioned in well, your book. you know, kind of. Well, yeah, yeah I, I believe me. I wish I were better friends. <laughs> but you have a, you have a, a, a casual you know, I, friendship I, I, with him, you know. Yes, of course he knows me. He knows who I am. Uh, he probably he used to think I was cool uh, until. Well, I have no idea what he thinks of me. I'm just joking, um, you know. But like, I I try to imagine what it's like to be David Lee Roth today, because. I'm sure you follow his social media too. He draws a lot, you know, he uh, obviously was going to make this big comeback opening for Kiss the end of the road tour. I've seen on social media that Kiss has plans to go back out. I have not seen anything about David Lee Roth going where have you? I have not. I've, I've always assumed that that was going to happen. You know, I mean, well, I, I don't. I don't assume that's going to happen. I think that if that were happening, Dave would be excited. He would be posting about it. And I haven't seen that. Um, 
I haven't seen Dave too much. I don't know if his Vegas re- residency is coming back. Uh, Vegas is almost completely open. Why isn't Dave show back in Vegas? These these are things I would like the answers to. Um, is he just home smoking a lot of weed, making those drawings? I, 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 I not like I can call him up and ask, you know. But uh, you know, I'm a huge, 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 huge fan and. So loyal and I will love and adore him forever just because you know what he just makes me happy and that's why we're talking about Van Halen because Van Halen makes us happy yes they do bottom line yes they do and you write in your book about how your goal when you were a teenager was to date Dave Lee Roth and you know, I wanted to I wanted to marry him like I was always like counting the years where I'd be old enough to marry him I just started when I was 14 so like give me a Give me a break. Okay, I, everything in my head is like, one break, coming up. <laughs> I'm a true Van Halen fan because I hear Van Halen lyrics as they get off in my speech. Well, they were such, they had such an influence on that time, right? I mean, they came out of Southern California in 1978. They changed the game. Eddie's playing changed the game. The atmosphere at their shows, the party-like atmosphere was so different than anything that was out there. I mean, you could say Kiss was a good time party band. You could say Aerosmith was. No, they but, weren't, though. Kiss never partied. I was but, on the road. But they had the rock and roll and night I, party every day, no, and they had they, a shout they, out loud. They, and, you know. Well, they, they did it for the audience. They didn't right, party. Right. That's why, but that's why they lasted 40 something years now, that they have longevity because they were sober, because the partying was an act. But Van Halen was a true party band. Yes. Uh, and, and yes, they made, they, okay, this part isn't good, but as soon as I saw Van Halen, I just wanted to move to LA and party. I did not want to study. I didn't want to go to school. I just wanted to party. <laughs> well, they had but, such a, they had such an impact on the youth of America back then. I mean, I remember growing up, everybody had a Van Halen t-shirt. Everybody had the painter's caps. They were, they were mentioned in movies like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I I still do. Like that that would still be me like wearing Van Halen shirts every day. They had such um, a, they had such a mainstream acceptance. I took my son to a Van Halen concert when he was in ninth grade and he wore his t-shirt to school the next day. I said, this is what you do. Because when I was in high school, if you went to a concert, you wore the T-shirt to school the next day because then you were cool because everyone knew that you went to the concert, so you were cool. So I made my son wear his Van Halen shirt to school. And you know what he told me? That kids actually came up to him and said, what's a Van Halen? <laughs> yeah. I- yes, and now he's in college, and he recently texted me to tell me that a bunch of, you know, the guys, they were all, like, I don't know, they weren't four-wheeling in the Arizona and he jump came on and he said I knew all the lyrics and all the words and like the guys didn't even like know what song it was and I'm like uh, how the fuck did they get accepted to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University not knowing who Van Halen is that is wrong well they did have such an impact they were a party band they meant so much to the youth of America and those you know those young kids grew up to be adults to listen to Van Halen and the thing that was so but you know I know what's beautiful about Van Halen fans what's that? we have a bond mm-hmm. you know if you know what you and I are talking about uh, it, 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 it's it's 
it's a bond. You know, like we understand each other and I don't want to call it a cult because it's, it's not weird. It, it, it just is what it is. It's, a, it, it, it's not even one generation, but I think, um, because I wish I was older actually, because I missed a lot of Van Halen. I didn't see them until 1984 and I wish I was older and lived in LA when I, you know, so I could have seen them at the Starwood and like Gazzari's, you know, that would have been amazing. Well, they had, like I said, they had such an impact on young people back then, and they grew up to be adults, and they still are Van Halen fans. But what was so different about them was they had the mainstream acceptance. You know, they they were talked about in movies. But they, they were smart. Well, it, uh, it wasn't. It, no, that, it wasn't yes, so they much. Were. Well, yeah, I'm well, gonna, I, I'm gonna. Okay, I told you, like, you you don't even get get me started because I can talk about Van Halen for a week. But they were smart because. They did the dance songs. They they did right. the covers not because they couldn't play, because they understood how in, dancing is important to people. Dancing is fun, so people want to move. People want to dance, so that get, got everybody in the mood, you know, to like to party because people want to dance. So they had the dance tunes, and then they put in their originals. So they they were actually brilliant. Well, they, David Lee Roth talks about that, about how the so many beats per minute um, in their songs would make people want to dance. And when you have music that makes people want to dance, girls come to the shows. And that is kudos to Dave because he's the one that insisted on that. You know, he grew up, you know, with all kinds of ethnicities, you know, black people, black music, a little Richard was uh, an influence on him. Like he wasn't uh, stuck in this heavy metal thing. Like he brought the groove in, you know, like he, he brought the groove in where Eddie brought in, you know, said heavy metal, like, you know, the, the guitar looks and it was like just a perfect marriage. Uh, so then when they released, this alive when they played live and they did the dance tunes. That's what got everybody going in the club to start having a good time. And then they got noticed by the producers, and I think the producers saw how brilliant they were in doing those dance cover songs, like Dance in a Way, and decided to release those as singles. And that is why uh, they got noticed. And because the first part of the game is getting noticed. So whatever it takes to notice, do it. And that's why their originals ended up getting hurt. They were a backyard party band when they were first starting out. They used to play these parties in Southern California. I know. I, I just saw a documentary. Did you yeah. see that? It's, uh, yeah. And, and uh, they would I, have thousands of kids in these backyards. Helicopter, police helicopters would have to break up these parties. And it would cause traffic jams. It would, they would be on the news. And in Southern California, they were a big, big thing. Outside of Southern California, they were largely you know, unknown because no, to no one wanted to touch them. Several years ago, uh, there's a bowling alley. Um, why am I spacing on the name of it? They, 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 uh, there was going to be a surprise performance by the original David Lee Roth band with Billy Sheehan and Steve yes, I and Greg yes. Sisson. Yeah, and, and it got shot it, it got shut down before 
it even opened. Luckily, no one told me about it, so I didn't drive all the way there for nothing. But they're, they, it, they would still shut things down. Now, in high school, yes, unfortunately, I was way too young to live here. But that's kind of like why I'm like, I wish I was older just so I could have been a part of that. Like, that's amazing. Like, I feel bad for kids today. My, my son is obsessed with the 80s. He's 19. And he wishes he could have lived back then. Uh, I don't blame him. I wish I, I moved here. I moved to L.A. just at the tail end of it. I moved here in February 89. And I, I, I'm glad I got a little taste of it. But it was the best time ever. I wish I could have. Um, I can't believe I'm saying I wish I was older. But, yeah. I do, just so I could have experienced all of it. I got to see them in 2007 on their reunion tour. I never saw them with Dave. I saw them with Sammy a few times, but I never saw you them with didn't? Dave. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wasn't it amazing? Uh, the, I saw them first in 1984, and I walked into that arena, one girl, and walked out another. It, changed, it just changed me. How, how tight, how tight were David Lee Roth's pants at that show? Well, I, I don't remember. I'm sure they were spandex. <laughs> I just remember watching the video actually, for Unchained. You know what? I actually have photos. Um, I've been greedy with them, so I have not uh, posted them. Um, but I have my friend. My friend, this guy in high school, had a connection to get us tickets through his dad. And there, he had professional photos of Van Halen close up. So I have photos from that night of them, everything they were wearing, um, professional photos that have not never been published. But I've been extremely greedy, uh, like I've never posted them. They're my prized possession. And actually, I don't know even know who actually owns the right. It's not printed on the photo, and it's so long ago, it probably doesn't matter. But they are amazing photos. I'd love to I see those, probably, yeah. Yeah, I'll show you personally. Like, I just want to make, I don't know. I don't know why I'm worried about being sued. I probably can't be on the Wild Wild West Internet, like who's going to sue me. But they are amazing photos, and um, yeah, I'll be happy to show you. I'll scan them for you. I was I was saying though, Daily Rod's pants were so tight. I remember watching the Unchained video as a young kid, and he's swinging his hips around and everything. And his, and his I knew I I, his I junk, only saw him. And his junk I, is he like still looks great. His his he junk is like a three D movie, Carrie. And I'm like, you know, I'm a young kid. I'm like, dude, get that thing out of here. In there? <laughs> do you think he stuck his sock in his pants, or do you think it was real? Uh, you know. I'm not going to speculate. Um. Hey, I'm not a dude. I know I, I, I'm not a dude, so I don't really know what happens uh, naturally. I do know that some guys just don't like to wear underwear. And if you're wearing spandex, okay, I'm a woman. When I wear leggings, you can't wear normal underwear or you get ugly panty lines. So I have little lace ones that don't make a bump. Uh, I can't believe I'm telling you this. But I hardly, I think David Lee Roth was wearing lace uh underwear so i think he was going uh commando i probably would go on the side of commando versus lacy underwear (laughs) 
Um, but but the point <laughs> yeah. the, the point was is like I'm I'm like I'm like nine or eight watching this video, and I'm like, dude, like get that thing out, just like come on now, <laughs> like man, like dude, your junk is like. You know, front and center he, in this he video. He wasn't the only one. I mean, oh, come yeah. On. But I mean, you know. Uh, all, all the guys back then. And then you see the crowd with the female with the female fans in the crowd just like just like looking up at him going, I want to have your baby, you know? Well, uh, yeah, I'm sure I was one of those. I was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they were... But. They were such a band. I mean, I've even said this. We, you talked about the pandemic before um, in regards to, you know, staying happy and, you know, people sending you messages and whatnot. I've said to a couple people whose kids are kind of feeling down because they're e-learning and they're, and they're at home. And I've gone, have you put on any, any Van Halen in the house? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, put on some Van Halen. No one can be in a bad mood when Van Halen is on. Because it's impossible. Yes, it is impossible. And um, I never get tired of no. Van Halen. It's always feel good. It's always good times. And when you look back in that era that they were a part of and that they were really the leaders of that era from 78 all in, into the mid-90s, they were always above it. They were always different than the other bands. They didn't conform. They didn't tease their hair they didn't wear, you know, what everybody else was wearing. They were their own thing. They went by their own beat, and they were authentic. And that party image was authentic. It was nothing fake about it. And we miss that today. And there isn't well, a I band think, that really encapsulates that. Yeah, sobriety uh, was not, you know, it wasn't popular uh during those years and many bands had to get sober like you know countless ones you know like Aerosmith Steven Tyler like you like Molly Crew. I mean but they, you know that's why I think Tick was so smart because they never had uh, they, they just never even went there but uh, last I knew because I hung out with Dave um, I'm bad with my timelines but it was I worked in 2018, uh, you know, when I was writing my book. And he was drinking whiskey. Backstage, he was sipping his whiskey. He was not wasted. He was not doing coke. Uh, Yes, he used to do that. He's very um, vocal about it, so it's not like I'm giving secrets away. But they they all did, you know. But But eventually, it ruined your career if you... If you don't stop, you know. So, uh, but back in back at that time, I don't think any of us were um, worried about. I don't know having to have a drug or alcohol problem. I, I honestly, I, I got I came out unscathed. Luckily, because Eric Carr was my boyfriend, and I wasn't around drugs ever. Um, you know, I, I, I'm grateful. Um, but honestly, like, I, I, I don't know that, that Dave, even though he still drinks and like Eddie stops drinking and I'm, I don't have a clue about Alex or anything, but, uh, Dave's still like, you know, a whiskey connoisseur. And, um, 
I don't, I'm not a marijuana type of person, but last I saw he had some tattoo cream, uh, marijuana based. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. It was to help keep the color of the tattoos. Yeah. So they wouldn't fade. I haven't seen him post about that in a long time. But well, He hasn't really posted um, much at all over the past several months. Well, not all, yeah, the only things I've seen are his drawings, mm-hmm. which don't make a lot of sense. Like, I, 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 I look at them. I'm a bigger David Lee Roth fan than most people, but um, they look kind of like they're cool, but they're definitely art which is up to interpretation so you could interpret them lots of different ways um by the way i get a lot of female haters be- just because i was the van helen model which by the way had nothing to do with dave he did not get me the job um i got myself the job by just being a fan and posting pictures of me in van helen's uh, shirt and this year I did a video. I mean, Van Halen is just in me. They're a part of me. I enjoy it. It makes me happy. That's why I do it. Uh, but I got a bunch of female haters uh, or like calling me David Lee Roth horror. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I wish. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dave wants to call me and ask me to be his horror. I'm sure, honey. But no, that's not the truth. And I, I think... There's a lot of psychos, but you know that kind of comes with being in the public eye. It, it just does. So I don't give it a lot of uh, attention. I just can't. This is why David Lee Roth probably doesn't post more than his drawings because if I get hate, he's getting a million times more than I get. You know. Well, so. it's an interesting dynamic because Dave was like the equal to Eddie. In the band. I mean, Eddie was loved by the guitar players and, you know, the guitar geeks out there that wanted to emulate his sound. And he started a whole genre of shredders. But Dave was like the maestro. He was the. Yeah, they, they were both rock stars. Yeah. That, 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 that's where the conflict happened. So I, I have a lot of people that got wind that I know Dave personally. And my favorite was actually one of his Van Halen uh, uh, Twitter accounts that sent me a picture of a Barbie doll that was on the top of a Christmas tree like an angel, and the rumor going around is that I gave it to David Lee Roth as a gift. And I was like, <laughs> that is hilarious. Like, I don't know where these rumors get started, but I was never close enough to Dave to buy him Christmas presents. No, we were not that close, but I don't know where that came from, but no, it wasn't me that, uh, that gave it to him. Um, I really don't know where these things come from. Um, it's amusing, but Dave, you know what? It, it, it's it's really when you put two rock stars that are because I've wondered myself. I, I I why did they why couldn't they make it work? And everyone says Dave has the biggest ego and he was an asshole and that's why it didn't work. And I've had people ask me because they think that I know him so well, and my answer is you know what? Uh, no monk. I, had a different relationship with him. Like his bodyguard, uh, Edmund, had a different relationship with him. The guys in the band, like I was a girl who he flirted with. I was a girl who met him in a nightclub and for many years I keep running into him and he flirted with me. That's very different than working with someone. 
So I don't know what he's like to work with. In my opinion, look, I never saw him have an asshole bone in his body. Even when we'd be hanging out together in clubs and strangers would come up and want to meet him, he'd be like, and this is Carrie. I love you, Carrie. And I'm sure he was high, but still. He said, I love you, Carrie. And this is Carrie. He was always gracious and always included me and was always nice to everyone that came up to him. He never complained that there were fans. He never said, Ugh, I hate it when people come up to me. Never. You know, he was just like the most chill, cool, nice person. And that's the way I know David Lee Roth. And that's how I'll always remember him. Hopefully I'll see him again in my life. But if, if I don't, you know, I, I only have the nicest experiences and the best things to say. And so all of those books you read saying what an asshole, blah, 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 he is, you know what? Everyone has their opinion and, you know, it might be true that those experiences, I mean, I, I can only talk about what mine was and that's what it was. From what I've read, I, I don't know if it was, you know, stories about Dave being an asshole or Dave being a jerk. I've always read in, in, what I know is that they never really got along. They were never like friends when they were coming up. They basically were. It sounds to me from what I've read is that they were until they made it huge. Until well, I read a story. Like- Noel Monk tells a story in his book about the woman and children first photo session. And I guess Dave, without the knowledge of the brothers, Alex and Eddie, was put this poster or, or allowed this poster to be put in part of the packaging and the vinyl of just David, like in this S and M pose on a, on a, off of a fence and the brothers. Yeah, actually, yeah. Neil's laws were, I, I, I'm always like worried about offending people, but I'll be honest. I did a shoot with an ex-boyfriend, uh, like 10 years ago or something with, who was a musician with Neil. And I was fascinated to meet him because I knew of his Van Halen uh, experiences. And he seemed irritated about Dave. I, I, I don't know. I think maybe not just Eddie. Maybe like everyone didn't agree with his uh, sex symbol status. Because Eddie, look at Eddie. Come on, he never tried to be a sex symbol. Like, he was cute, of course. But he was all about his musicianship. And Dave, but somebody has to be the sex symbol. Somebody has to be the front man. And there was no one better at it than David Lee Roth. Oh, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. During that era, there was nobody better as a front man than David Lee Roth. No one. I don't think there's been anyone better since. I I probably will agree with you. I mean, a lot of people mentioned Axl Rose. Um, oh, my God. No way. Axl Rose, no way. it was a totally different uh, vibe. No, he's a, he is not. David Lee Roth is now what sixty-six uh, or something. Um, he's thin. He's still he can, maybe can't jump like he used to, but you know what? He's got a great body. He uh, never let himself go. Um, and Axel was hot, like for what two minutes uh, in uh, nineteen eighty-six. So I wouldn't call him a, a, a front man star. Well, his like, was more about angst, I, I though, right? Say, he was more about anger. I, 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 yeah, but I would say 
if you want to compare Brentman, even though I pretty much hate Paul Stanley, because I can't, well, because he's an ass, but I can't stand his voice either. But at least he keeps himself looking good, you know, like his body, honestly. Never mind that Botox. Oh, yeah, Paul's in great shape. But, yeah, but his body is great. He moves great. And I would also say, I mean, it's a long time ago, but let's not forget Robert Plant. Yeah, and Freddie Mercury and all that. But I think from oh yeah, you know, Freddie. I, I think you know you you had Daily Roth, and then there were like other frontmen. There was Axl Rose, who I think was more no, about the angst. Yeah, he's not, well, not in the level, yeah, not in the level, not, not even comparable. Yeah, not in the he level. Was, he, he had he had like two minutes of looking good, and he was a skinny, scrawny little uh, wiggly guy. You know, there's a ton of those. Like I could name like. 20 names off the top of my head, like Mark Turin from the Bullet Boys, who still looks amazing. But yeah, he's still thin and in great shape, and his voice is amazing. So, but on the stature of Van Halen, like who was as big as Van Halen? Like, uh, that's why I'm comparing it to Kiss, only because they're as famous as each other. That, that would be comparable. I don't think there is. And I I'm mean, sorry, yeah. Scott Axel doesn't compare. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not probably winning any fans here, but that's my opinion. No, I think there's a lot of validity to what you're saying. I mean, there was David Lee Roth, and there was everybody else. I mean, Paul Stanley is predominantly known for what the Kiss was in the I 70s. I prefer Gene Simmons' voice. Obviously, right. I, I, uh, the songs I like from Kiss are Gene's voice. Um. And I'm being completely objective. I'm not talking about any of it emotionally. When and it's very difficult for me to talk about kids without emotions. But I'm just coming from an analytical point of view, and that's what I would say. Um, Paul does have. If you put some earplugs in, he has got a lot of sex appeal. <laughs> no, uh, I'm just going straight to hell after this podcast, you know. Well, I mean, you think about the frontmen of the '70s, right? You think of Plant, you think of oh, Freddie Mercury, no. you think of um, Paul Stanley, Steven Tyler, uh, and Steven Tyler. Oh my God! Okay, I'm sorry, I just screeched a little, but that's what girls do when they see Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler is fucking hot, and how old is he now? I, he's probably seventy. He's, he's got to he be seventy. Is, oh my God! I saw him two years ago in uh, Vegas on their residency, he is still hot. He hasn't barely aged a day. I was in the third row. I could almost touch him. He looks amazing. Sounds amazing. Sounds great. great. Sounds sounds fantastic. Yes, he is the ultimate. I I can't believe we almost forgot about him. Yes. He has actually surpassed David Lee Roth because he's still doing his thing. No, no offense to David Lee Roth because Dave, Dave tried. He was opening for Kiss. A lot of people bash Dave because some of the stuff he does is hokey. It sounds like, you know, it's a little Vegasy. He wants to do, you know, happy trails and wears overalls, and you know, it's not exactly like, you know, it's not what we all want to see. But there's those of us who just adore him so much. We love everything he does. But Stephen Tyler just sticks to what works. He sticks to what works. And 
if he's still doing the residency, I've been living under a rock. I don't know, but I would go again. Like that show was unreal. They have and the wind, you know, blowing his hair and the sound effects and the big grand piano and like it was just so amazing, so amazing. Well, but he is the ultimate. Yes, he is the ultimate hot rock star at probably seventy. Sorry, I, at least seventy. But I think with you know, I, and I met him. He read my book. I met him once when I was 16 years old in uh, some bar after a show in Massachusetts. Um, I'm, yeah, like, I'm sure he wouldn't remember. But, like, that was <laughs> that was so awesome. And he really probably, honestly, I think he looks better now. I mean, I was very young then, but I didn't have a crush on him. I just kind of wanted to meet him because he was Steven Tyler. But I didn't have a crush. Now, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm jealous of his girlfriend. She's the luckiest. <laughs> well, I mean, th- th- what I was going to say though is, is that you know David Lee Roth was the elite frontman of the '80s, and Steven Tyler did have a resurgence in you know later on with Aerosmith. Aerosmith really wasn't doing much until like the late '80s, and you know into the early '90s. And yeah, they got a little too commercial for me, honestly. I I, I stopped being much of a fan because they got too commercial. I like their older stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. They brought in a lot of outside writers but, on but their outer, you know, like Desmond Child and, and Diane now, Warren. Oh, I love Desmond. Yeah. But their, their older stuff now is old. I mean, okay. I was going to say, I didn't like their newer stuff, but now that I'm so old, their newer stuff is now old. So now it's all classics. <laughs> it's like Love in an Elevator. Love in an elevator and all that like seems too new and commercial uh, compared to Walk This Way stuff. But now it's all old, so it's all great. No, I just think you know when you also talk about some of the other frontmen that were not at the level of Daily Roth in the eighties. You, you do talk about Vince Neils. You talk about the Stephen Pierces. You talk about uh, you, know. But, you know they they were they can't compare. No, no, like, I they, mean, they, yeah. they they they. They're great for what they are. I mean, they, they, they have great songs. And I love the grittiness of, uh, of Stephen Pierce's voice. He was very gritty. And, and, and uh, you know, Vince has had his ups and downs. Uh, he's, he's, but he's Vince Neil. I mean, like he made Motley Crue's sound wouldn't be Motley Crue without him. So, uh but they're not Van Halen. They're just not. No, no. And that was the thing, too, right? I mean, you look at all those bands that came out of that decade. And that decade was the generation or the decade of excess. And there's no band that basically sounds like that decade, like Van Halen. Van Halen is all about the excess. It's the excess with the guitar. It's the excess with the stage presence and the stage shows and Daily Roth jumping all over. Guitar. I don't know if you saw my little uh, birthday video. Oh, you probably say tag unit. Uh, running with the devil. Uh, my little Tierra. No, yes, dancing. I saw it. Thank you for tagging me. I appreciate it. But, but you know, is there any other song that compares to that in any way? You can't duplicate it. You can't duplicate that sound. And that was Eddie. It was the yeah, I agree. It was the combination of both, and and then when David Lee Roth left and they brought in Sammy, 
It was a different direction that the band went. It was. It still sounded good. That was still kind of was- like what I'm. Like, yeah, it's kind of like what I was saying about Aerosmith. There came a time where they got too commercial for me, and I took a step back. Which, which I did during those years when Sammy Hagar was in the band. I didn't like the Helen anymore because it was just too commercial. But now it's so old that now I'm like, wow, actually, I like this. I liked I liked both versions. I like it more now than I did before. Yeah, I like I always liked both versions because to me it was still Eddie on guitar. You know what? It's hard. I think it's hard for those of us who are hardcore Van Halen fans to accept the change with Sammy. Um, It was very hard uh, to accept that. And now it's been so long that I go, wow, yeah, now they're classics. And they're good. They're different. They're very different uh, than the raw, gritty Van Halen. But then again, Dave has made it clear that he is sick of playing run, running with the devil. He doesn't want to play the same old songs over and over again. He wanted to do different things. And Eddie wanted to do different things. So, you know what? We are just very lucky that we uh, got to experience magic. They, they, there was a capsule of time where Eddie and Dave were on the same uh, playing field. And they, uh, thankfully for us, you know, they'll never be gone because we have their music and that will live on forever. But that that, that magic only lasted for a while. So now when Eddie had to move on and he wanted to be more electronic and, you know, he wanted, you know, the, the love songs and the, like, the things that Sammy came up with, you know, Dave went his way too, and Dave is still—I uh, don't know—besides doing art now, but he—he he also was more into still the dance vibe and the, the dance songs, and 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 I think he wanted to be more modern and hip and with the times instead of being a heavy metal guy. So you know, they they grew apart. So, well, I think, anyway, yeah, I, I think, I think Eddie, when you look at Diver Down and they did, I think it was um, Dancing in the Street, they did a cover of that and that had keyboards in it. And there were elements that they had um, leading up to 1984, not as profound as 1984 had, but that was what Eddie wanted to do. And that's where he wanted to take the band was more keyboards. Yeah, he, 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 he and, called 1984 the first new Van Halen album because right. that is the way that he wanted to take the music. And David didn't want to and do it, that. And it does have a different right. sound. Yeah. David didn't uh, want to follow that. David didn't want to be in And a, it's kind of funny now that he's into EDM. Like right before COVID he was like... Yeah, I remember that. He, yeah. He, uh, he went to this big EDM festival and a jump opened and you know. Yeah. No. But you know what? It might feel great for him to still be celebrated like that and that's amazing i think so i think you know the whole new generation celebrating him and you know what i'm not into edm and but if they're playing jump i'm into edm so it's cool i think that when you look back and i think when eddie passed in october it brought van halen back in terms of appreciation especially with the younger crowd the younger generation because we were just talking a couple of years ago about how when Billie Eilish was asked about Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen she didn't know who they were 
and everyone was. Uh, yeah, I told you someone like okay, I I was at, I texted you this the other day. I was at my friend's house. His twenty four year old daughter. I showed her the video of me dancing, running with the devil. I was going to post on my birthday, and I go, "Do you know this song?" And she's like, "No." I'm like, "Oh my fucking god." Seriously, did your father raise you right? I'm like, uh, because my son knows this. <laughs> I get, I'm like, not to be an angry person or anything, but you need to know Van Halen. Yeah. I, I think it's just, you know, when you, when you look at the band, right, and you look at, you know, Billy Elish being asked about Van Halen, and there was this big pushback against her. How do you not know who Van Halen was? Well, well, at the end what? of the day, I didn't, at the end I, of, I didn't know the, Billy. I didn't know right. Billy Elwish. Or well, I mean, we're not. So, I, mean, I didn't know who she was. You know why I know who she is now? Because I follow Wolfgang Van Halen, and he was actually uh, extremely. Uh, what do you call it? He he was uh, kind, and usually he tells people to fuck off. I I do notice that, and he has every right to. But when when. He said, you know what? Billy's great. Van Halen's great. Everyone give her a chance. Listen to her. And, and I listened. I listened because Wolfgang said it. And that was, you know, that was pretty cool. So that's the only reason I know who she is. So people don't know who Van Halen is. You know what? We learn from each other. Well, I, yeah, I was just going to say, a lot of the reasons why that that happened is because Van Halen really hasn't done much in a couple of decades. I mean, outside of the well, one the, album. Yes, well, yes, you know, someone was fighting for their life. Well, I'm, I'm, well, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. I mean, I understand that. But I'm talking about even before that. I'm talking about when you look at the album they did with Gary Sharon, they really didn't do much. They do you know, I've never heard that album. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so when you think of, but I think that was nineteen ninety one or something no, when there was cancer. No, it was a while. It wasn't that long. long ago. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, it was. It was long ago. It had to be. No, okay. We know Eric and I went to go see Van Halen. Well, like what I was saying though is, is that you know they didn't really do a lot in terms of music. They did a lot of compilation albums with some songs on it, and yes, Eddie had concerns with his health, and of course fighting for his life as is you know as as things got closer to his passing but i'm talking about last decade you know not these not these past half dozen to 10 years i'm talking about even before that um they really didn't do much eddie really focused on the gear the amps the equipment where you know the 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 band really didn't have much of a presence after sammy left and they did the reunion tour in 2007 and 2008 with david lee roth and then after that, they did the album. And then after that one album with the tour with Wolfgang, they didn't. Really you know, I was at much. several concerts during their, you know, years back together. Uh, all of the tours I was on, and I, you know, I have connections, so I, I, I was backstage at all of them, and oh, except one. Not the the first reunion tour. I want to say it was. What was it, 2010 or something? No, uh, the first reunion tour was like 2006, 2007. I think it was 2007. 2000. Okay, I'm trying to remember. But it was the first one that I went to. There was, their sponsors had a rule. No females backstage. And no, uh, there was no drugs, no alcohol, no and no females. 
that was it when Eddie got sober in the beginning and there was like a rule, no girls backstage. So this was, it must have been 2006 or something then. It was, it was a very long time ago. Um, and, and I got to be friends with, um, you know, just, I don't know. I, I was just in the front row and the photographer, the official band photographer started taking pictures of me and, you know, like, so I, I heard, I heard it through inside sources, like, I forgot who the sponsor was, but that was one of the, their reasons, like, no girls backstage, because they didn't want the band to, you know, lose their sobriety and fuck up the tour since they were sponsoring. Yeah, then, it's probably insurance, probably the insurance company. Yeah, it was something like that. I couldn't believe it, because, you know, Dave recognized me for sure. He was singing to me the whole show, and I was like, wow, I'm so surprised, like, he didn't, like, send someone to come and get me, like, he read my book years ago, years, many years later, he did at a different show. But, and he told me that he's always known who I am and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, it was that. So then, year, then many years uh, into this, I've been, long story, friends. I, I, I live in LA, so I'm always friends with someone. Like, my friend's ex-husband does the lighting for Van Halen. She had tickets passes. My son and I went. And you know what? It was the most boring backstage ever. There's no, it was pre-show only. Nobody actually, uh, no fans, just my son and I and people that, like my friend that was married to the lighting guy, uh, you know, get some food at the buffet. Their, their PR person, their manager, like I didn't even see and not one band member back there and they did the show and left like the party times uh, that we uh, well missed I, I unfortunately was too young in the 80s to have wild debauchery with them but um, that uh, that kind of like was what we we that inspired our teenage years we loved it but everything comes to an end and you know what if they acted like that um, they'd all probably be dead, like you know, all the other rock stars that died of drug overdoses and stuff. They, they, you know, even me. If <laughs> even though I'm not a rock star, I can't act like that. I have to stretch. I've got to eat right. I've, you know, otherwise, you know, yeah. Bad. Well, it's hard to recover as you get older too. I mean, if you go, I'm your, saying, you're... and I don't even have to do much. I can't even imagine having to get on stage every night and just like, yeah. Perform. Yeah. I mean, I just have to stand in front of a camera once in a while. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's interesting how the band was still successful even after Dave left and still had, I mean, they had their first number one record with Sammy. They didn't have a number one record with David. That's because it was so commercial. What, what was that? Well, 1984, 1984 was not, a, was, was, was commercial and it wasn't, and it not, was not, it would never hit number one. Yes, but crazy from the heat and um, well, David that's Lee Roth. Roth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he surpassed 80, 1984 with his hits from even though they were cover songs. They, they. What did he have? Like, okay, I'm spacing on how many songs now. But well, they had he had the two Gigolo, hits. He had Just a Gigolo and California yeah. Girls. Yes, but California Girls reached number one, and his videos were tops on MTV. Well, yeah, I mean that was a, that was extremely commercial. Yeah. Yes. So that and that probably 
I can understand like why Eddie kind of didn't like that because he wanted like his own original music. But yes, but his, his might have not. They weren't cover songs, but it was extremely commercial. Why can't this be love and all that? There, there's it's a little choppy. And, I, and now I like it better than I did back then. But I am pretty much a hardcore rocker chick. I still prefer all of the old albums that were really hard rock. And Diver Down is probably my least favorite. Um, I like Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2. Uh, I like um, Women and Children First. I got the, the hardest, earliest are my favorite. And I can understand, I've read interviews with Dave that, you know, he's annoyed singing the same old songs over and over. I'm sorry, I can understand how that is annoying, but I can listen to them over and over and over and never tire of them. Well, they had a swagger with Dave, right? I think that was the thing. Like, they had, it was it was good time party music, but it had an attitude, it had a swagger. And that swagger was not there with Sammy. It was more... Mature sounding. It was, I think, fifty one fifty in in OU eight one two definitely probably had more commercial elements than everything before Diver Down. I think Diver Down started that path of being a little bit commercial. But then again, you had Dance the Night Away on Van Halen two that was extremely commercial, and then you had, um, gosh, what else? Um, again, a, a cover song, and I think that well, that Dance was- the Night Away. I- I, I believe I it was a cover song. Dan, Dancing in the Streets was a cover song. Yes, yes, Dance the Night Away is a cover song. No. Is it? Yes, it is. Alexa, who originally played Dance the Night Away? I'm going to have to look that up. I don't know. Alexa, play Dance the Night Away. Uh, it's not been out. Dance the Night Away was... Dance the Night Away was... Alexa, stop. No, someone did it before Van Halen, I'm sure. No, it was written by Daley Roth and, and Eddie Van No, Halen. wasn't it Roy Orbison? No, you're thinking of Dancing in the Streets that was on Diver Down. Okay, Dance and Dance in the Street, but Dance the Night Away was originally Van Halen. Yeah. It sounds like a cover. It does, it does. I will, I will t- the only cover... Do you have your computer? Can you yeah, Google I'm, this? I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking, curious. I'm looking at it right away. They wrote right that song. They wrote that song. The only cover on Van Halen 2 was You're No Good. And who originally did that song? Uh, I think it was Linda Ronstant who originally sang it, but it was written by Clint Ballard. Okay. I'm shocked because I thought that was an original, and I thought Dance the Night Away was a cover. But Dancing the Streets is probably what's confusing me. Yeah, yeah. No. I, but still, the Streets, Dance the Night Away... Yeah. Did someone cover that thing? Because it sure sounds have. like it's been sure done it, a lot. Yeah, I'm sure it has. Um, I don't know exactly who, but um, yeah, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. But I know Dancing in the Streets was covered by David Bowie and Mick, Jag- Mick Jagger. You remember that video? But not dance the, yeah, but not Dance the Night Away is no. what I'm concerned about. Because I, I, I'm... I guess I, I'm confused. I actually didn't know that they were up. Wow! I I actually learned something new about Van Halen. See, you're learning That's about very... you're learning about Van Halen before we got on the phone conversation. I I taught you how to turn your notifications off for your text message. <laughs> I'm telling you, instead of having Siri, you should just have Jay. Well, 
then I'll just keep bothering you. <laughs> so I'll get like these, I'll get like these voice messages, like in the middle of the night, Jay, I need to know how to do this. How do you do this, Jay? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I won't. I promise you, I won't text you in the middle of the night. No, I'm, you know, I'm joking. If I, I have a burning urge to message you, I'll try to do it. Like, I don't know, in a DM on Twitter or somewhere. I won't wake you, <laughs> I won't wake you up. No, I, you know, I'm joking. I know you wouldn't do that. We had that conversation too. Like, gosh, a few months ago about like late night texts. Like, who who is texting? Uh, my phone is usually off. Um, uh, recently, I don't know why the freaking vibrating thing was on. I've managed to shut that off. But I have it off during, it's just off. Now my dog is the problem. Like, my fucking dog likes to wake me up at six in the morning. And I'm like, ugh. Just tell, just tell your dog to yeah. go back to bed. That's what I do to my dog. I go, go back to sleep. And he looks at me like, all right, I'll go back to sleep. Well, my dog doesn't listen. But no, I just think, you know, getting back to Van Halen, they were a band that defined the era, that defined the decade. It was the soundtrack. You could talk about the Madonnas and the Michael Jacksons and the Princes, and those acts were all more pop acts that were, you know, very popular you know, probably more more so popular than Van Halen, but Van Halen was the most popular rock act um, with two different singers. I remember in 1984, like everywhere you went, everybody had stickers, pins. Oh yeah, like, everybody drew their uh, logo. Yeah. Oh, I'm in high school. I wrote the Van Halen like logo and Van Halen rules the. I signed all my yearbooks. Van Halen rules the world. Oh, my entire locker was decorated Van Halen. I have, I do have pictures of my bedroom, and I've posted them before, but I don't have any pictures of the inside of my locker, unfortunately. But I, I was actually the only person in my whole high school that did that. I, I lived in a small town in Massachusetts where, I, I don't know, nobody. They like Duran Duran, you know. I, I, I was like the rocker chick. I don't even know why. I, I, well, I do. It's because I went to the Van Halen concert, and I was never the same since. Well. I think everybody wanted to play like Eddie and all the guys wanted to play like Eddie and all the girls wanted to sleep with David. Is that a correct statement? Um, I don't really know because I've, I've now become a Van Halen historian. I, it, according to Noel Monk's book, it was Alex that got all the sex. <laughs> uh, did you read that book? I have, it, I have it, not read that book. It's right called Running with the Devil. Yeah, he makes it sound like it was actually Alex that was the sex addict. You don't know. They all, they were all, you know, nobody was hurting, you know, for pussy. But it was more of Alex that was, uh, you know, made the major uh, drinker and uh, the guy that got laid. Um, more than anyone, according to that book. Uh, Michael Anthony comes off like an angel, was married to Susan Young, was loyal, loyal to her. Uh, Dave, you know, Eddie, yeah, of course. That. I remember the first time I saw them in 1984, Dave on stage making a comment about Valerie. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I I I I just had this major crush on David Lee Roth, 
I don't know, but I'm sure many girls preferred Eddie. But but I I know but I'm just saying though as by and large right when when Van Halen was a thing they were huge the girls came to see David and the guys came to see Eddie I don't know I think Eddie's pretty cute too I, I, he, he's a good looking he's a good looking guy but when you got yeah, a bulge when you got a bulge the size of Texas in your pants and you're doing the splits and flying in the air and you've got the long okay, blonde wait. hair. Uh, uh, Eddie, okay, Dave did his job. That's what a front man is supposed to do. Right, but You're he but he brought to... the but he brought the women into the show though. I mean, I mean, if they had, if they had, you know, I, I I'd like to say that I would have loved them had I not thought Dave was hot. Uh, well, I, I obviously I still do, and there's no. Um, I, I I still love their music and I would still go to their shows with no sex appeal at all. So their music is timeless. So it, it, it really, it's a mute point now. I don't, I, I don't think it matters who brought who in. Their, their music is forever. Right, and, and right. It, the music is yeah. most important, but the dynamic was always, you know, Eddie, guys just marveled over Eddie's, you know, fingers going up and down the fretboard, and all the girls saw David Lee Roth, this long blonde, flowing hair, and you know, this acrobatic stage presence and the personality. And this, you know, he was kind of like Tarzan, right? And you know, Eddie was more this, you know, god guitar player. And I'm sure, you know, there were women that found him attractive, and I'm not saying that there wasn't, but I'm just saying that, you know, like, like when, when. When bands went to go see most bands, right? You know, they always, the front man brought in the ladies, right? They brought in the girls and then the rest of the guys, you know, sure. I'm sure they I don't had. Know. I'm a, I don't I honestly am a different kind of girl. Like, I, I like music. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and I'd never even heard of Van Halen when I went to the show. Someone just gave me tickets. And of course, when David Lee Roth came out of stage, I, mean, I was so young, but I was like, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this. And, you know, but to this day, like, hey, I like Rush, and nobody in that band's good looking. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, when you think of, I'm sure there's female Rush fans who would argue with you. And, and, and you know, Prague Rock has the ugliest fans on earth, and very few females. I, I don't ask, please don't ask me how I wound up on a Prague Rock a cruise ship once but I did I went on a quad rock uh, cruise with my son and um, they are very into their music and there was hardly a female on the ship um, so uh, yeah I think I'm a little bit unique when it comes to and I'll be fair um, most of my friends even when back in the olden days, when all those guys were hot in the eighties in rock, they still listened to Whitney Houston and pop in secret, but they just liked the hot guys. I've always liked the music. Like I like heavy metal. Like I like hard rock. I cannot stand pop. No shit. I just can't. I, I, I just can't. I can't go to a restaurant and hear crappy music. I walk out. I can't put on my Peloton bike and I, I can't ride unless it's 
I need the classic rock or the uh, metal rise. Like I, I'm truly um, a rocker chick. Like I, I, I don't like them for their looks. I just like the music sincerely. Yes, I mean you. You, I agree. I mean you do like rock music. You've always been a fan of rock music, but you said yourself, right? You said that you wanted to marry Daily Roth. And yeah, well, I was still come on. I was a teenager. But that's what I'm saying, Who, though. Do that's I what I'm saying now. Well, that's what no. I'm saying now is different. But when you were a teenager, when when teenage girls saw David Lee Roth, it was like, you know, it was but there was attraction. How do you think David Lee Roth feels about this? What's have that? you thought about da- how, how do you think David Lee Roth feels about this now? Well, how now now I'm sure he feels differently. But when he was, you know, no, but I I, I want to bring this up because I'm 52 now, I'm looking pretty fucking good for 52. However, I am 52, and it's and it's difficult because my play ba- my playmate issue came out on my 28th birthday in 1997, and I, I I never post a photo on Instagram without going. Someone else, someone goes. Was this in 1987? I mean, I, like, was this in 1997? And it's like, dude, no, I just still look. Well, that's just off. that's just you social know? media trolls and yeah, and but, idiots, but you have to you understand know? though. That's why I'm asking: Has anyone ever thought about how David Lee Roth feels? It's not easy getting old in the public eye. Actually, if I was rich like him, I, I I would drop the hell out of everything too. But I I can't because I have other businesses to promote. But it is not easy. Like the pinnacle of his fame, 1984, is sort of comparing it to me of you know me being Miss June 1997. And it, people want want to always think I'm going to be looking like well, yeah, June no, of 97. I, I totally agree. And it's a agree. lot of pressure. I, I I just you know I I'm just talking about their legacy, whereas. When they were, you know, on stage back then, and how they feel about that now? I'm sure they, I'm sure they have probably forgotten most of what they can remember, right? I mean, I'm sure they probably have more memories that have faded away than ones that still stick in their mind because they lived a pretty exciting full life. So, you know, how does Dave feel about being a sex symbol back then? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Dave really, you know, I mean, he, if you ever watch the Roth show, he does share stories about. Does he still do that? He hasn't done it in a while. Um, but when he did do yeah, it. Yeah, like, do you, do you know the last time I saw him backstage, uh, what did I say, 2018? Um, we talked about that briefly, and he said that nobody watched it. And I said, well. Bullshit. I, I love that. I love that show. Yeah, me too. I said, I watched it. Because I, I loved it. But, um, yeah, I didn't see him doing it much more after that so that's disappointing if he if he does I, I, I don't I, I don't think he does um I have so many YouTube accounts myself now that I don't even know how to find what I'm looking for but I, I don't think he's done it and and but for him to say to me like because I said I watched it and he said you're the only one then it made me even know you know what he's not too much different than I am because I put myself out there a lot and I don't no one cares. No one watches. Why do I do it? So if, if, if he feels the same way and he's fucking David Lee Roth, like why do I even bother trying? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, no. No. I, I get that. I mean, I think I, I always thought it showed the brilliance. You know, when he was able to kind of peel back the orange. He, and, yeah, you know, David David Lee Roth is brilliant. Oh yeah, he's a brilliant mind. Yeah, and I, and people misunderstand him. They they. 
confuse him for, they think maybe, you know, he's on drugs or he's whacked, he's got brain damage. You know what? It, it be, it's, he's just brilliant. He has a brilliant mind. And that's why I, I almost feel sorry for him because so it, it's so hard to be understood when you're smarter than everyone else. And I, I understand this because, you know, my dad is a scientist and he's smarter than everyone else. And it's very difficult for those of us who are in the family to even understand what he's talking about because he's so much smarter than us. And I think that David Lee Roth is just that smart that people don't understand him because he's, he's right. Brilliant. When I when I started watching his podcast and, you know, I always remember the image and the interviews from back in the day, you know, how he was and how he was very extravagant and very, um, you know, just, he was diamond, he was diamond Dave. And I thought that the Roth show, he peeled back the orange a bit and was able, you're able to creep inside his mind and see how his mind works. And yes, there were still elements of the diamond Dave, but there were also, there was much more depth to him and the way he thinks in his life experiences. I mean, when you think about how David Lee Roth was the leader of the, the front man of arguably one of the ba- biggest bands in rock history, at least for a little while. And then he did this solo career. And then, you know, people used to give him shit all the time about becoming an EMT and a paramedic. He did that by choice. Did you know he did that by that was, he did, Yeah, but he did but, that by but, choice. It yes, wasn't but, because he was but, desperate. Yes, because after 9-11, when people needed help, and they, his heart is so big that, and he, and he obviously his dad was an eye doctor. He's got some history, like in um, medical, and then he had some time. and And what do you do when you've been given so much? Like he was, he probably felt like it was unfair, even though he worked very hard to be famous. There probably came a point where you go. Do I deserve all of these accolades and, and everyone thinks I'm great? What have I really contributed that was important to the world? And you know, he wanted to do something important. And instead of people saying, thank you, you're so deep and you're so generous and giving and selfless. He got attacked for that too. And it's fucked up. It makes me mad. Yeah. No, I, I, anyway, I, I But you know what? I, I think that. The, the reason um, I, 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 I would stay off of social media if I were him to do it and post his wrongs when he wants to never respond to anybody because you know what the more that you give to people that you, you bring the crazies out of the woodwork but I, I, I know he's probably not listening to this podcast but if he were I would like him to know that there are people like us who understand why he did what he did because he's a good person who wanted to give back because he probably on some level felt like, you know what, gyrating around in those spandex pants, like just, you know, perhaps, you know, wasn't deserving of all the accolades he's gotten and he wanted to do something really worthy and save lives. I, I and think you know there's, what? yeah, I, mean, I, I think there's elements to that, what you're saying. I agree. Well, I also, I'm I also think for him, I, I, I'm speaking for David Lee right. Robin. It's probably not my place. Right. But, but I, I um, also think, I, I don't think he'd mind. <laughs> I also think that he's a type of person that likes the experience, that likes the challenge. He did the EMT. Well, he does. He, he, he did, does. He did the that, EMT. That, that's why, right. you know, he went out in, you know, to the jungles. I think it was Ecuador. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, he, but yeah, he landed yeah. Amazon. 
Yes. And he, they, they, almost, they almost didn't uh, get the second uh, album, the soul album, the soul album done because he, he, he was out in the Amazon on vacation and, and, and the album was blowing up, but he, he wanted to like do his thing in the Amazon and he wanted to go rock climbing and he wanted like, you know what, what this tells me about David Lee Roth is that David Lee Roth wanted to go be alone with David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth is not, I know this sounds, I hope you can understand what I'm saying. Carrie Stevens can no way compare to David Lee Roth, but Carrie Stevens is an act as well. So when I do my thing, when I'm, you know, in front of a camera and I'm putting on my show, I give a lot of myself. But you know what? The the times where, and you read my book, where I went to Italy alone and I went to Ireland, Ireland alone and nobody knew my last name. No one knew that I'm a mother. Nobody knew that I'm an actress or a model. Or something. I, I was just me. So it's kind of the same, even though I'm not brave like him, I'm not in the fucking Amazon, you know, climbing mountains. But it was like this, the same thing for me to just go be Carrie Stevens where he just wanted to go be David Lee Roth without, without everything else. He can reconnect to his own self and what's important in life. So, um, and remember who he is. And if he didn't uh, know himself before, then he got to know himself. So I think that's why he did it. So again, I'm speaking for him, but right. that's what but I, I, think. I think. there's elements and there's truths to all the things you say, but I also think he likes the challenge. He likes the experience. And I was saying that, you know, he did the EMT from the well, EMT that's why thing. I said we're a little different. I heard that he liked, I read somewhere that he liked right. danger. And he, sure. Yeah, and then well, after that, after the yeah, EMT, he went and trained sheepdogs, you know, for farms and stuff. He did that. Oh my he, God. I love that video. Did you see the Van Halen tour where, uh, was it 2011? I think, uh, they showed before the show, they showed him on the farm with his sheep dogs, like in video, right before the Van Halen yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, from, I, uh, yeah, from there, like he taught himself J- Japanese. He went and trained with samurai swordsmen in Japan. So, I think Dave needs to do things for Dave. Um, I think there's some goodness, like you said, within him that he's a survivor, right. Well, I, but and I also you know think what? how healthy, how healthy that is. To how healthy it is to because he could lay in bed all day and go, uh, I, "I'm frozen, I suck." Instead, he's out fucking some samurai swords and like doing. You know, he's amazing. He's an amazing person. I, I just think that when you are a rock star, like he was, and you live with that adrenaline is, every day, is, well, and yes, always be. yes. And you will live with that adrenaline every day. And then it's not there anymore. You're not on stage and you're not doing those things. You need something to pump the adrenaline. You need something that is a different experience like that. Like, you know, hiking through the Amazon jungle. Like becoming an EMT and going on these emergency calls. Like learning to get into a mind of a dog and train a dog to round up cattle. To, you know... Learning Japanese, which is one of the hardest languages to learn, you know, learning how to become a samurai swordsman from people. Oh, and he had a Japanese girlfriend. Right, he lived uh, in Japan, Japan too. He moved there. It wasn't yeah, like, like I, you know. I, he's very private about his uh, private life, but I did find on the internet um, many years ago, like he had a Japanese girlfriend. 
So who knows if he still does it or not. But, um, but uh, that always helps. <laughs> and then he gets like 80% of his body tattooed, you know? So I do think that there... I have not seen the tattoos, all of them. Um, I thought it was like a very large investment he made in that tattoo cream company. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I don't mean to be a bitch because I know nothing about um, tattoos, but it seems to me like it's an expensive sunscreen. I don't know. I can't really speak to it because I don't really know. Well, um, yeah, like I said, I, I, I don't mean to knock it. I don't even know if it's... I don't have any tattoos, so I can't say. But I've always been an advocate of sunscreen. And it seems to me that... All right. Anyway, I'm not his financial advisor, so and he didn't ask me, and I don't have any tattoos, so I'm just going to shut up. I actually fine. do. I do have one tattoo. That's a lie. I, I have one on my toe, and it's 30 years old. I got it uh, in memory of Eric on my toe. So I do have one toe tattooed. Oh, it needs to be re- re- Well, yeah, it, it, it's a cross with a vine of thorns, teardrops of blood, and um, all that's left of it now is just a turquoise cross. Because John Elway, you know, you read my book, so you know he was my boyfriend later. He was so jealous of my toe. He he was he bitched about my toe all the time. So I had to wear shoes, socks to bed. Like he couldn't stand to look at my toe. Why you are jealous of a dead guy? I don't know. I could never understand why you are jealous of my dead boyfriend because he's gone, and and it, and it it was very hurtful because you picked on my toe all the time. So I regret it to this day, but I tried to have the tattoo removed so he would stop bitching about my toe. And um, you can't really laser off color. You uh, Just the black part came out, so I still have the turquoise cross on it. Um, so that's my only cat. And and, and I, I regret ever, ever trying to take it off and it's been on my bucket list to go get, a, I need a tattoo artist to, you know, freshen it up. And, and maybe when I do, I will uh, buy Dave's tattoo cream. <laughs> but for now, I have no use for it. Well, here, folks, Actually, we learned we learned something more about Carrie Stevens tonight. We learned about the tattoo on her toe and John Elway's jealousy of the tattoo. Well, you know, I, I actually posted... I can't remember how long ago, a couple years ago, I was going to get, before COVID, I was going to get it fixed and I wanted to get, I just asked the kids fans on social media, like what I should get, like how I, you know, um, it's a very small area and being a model, I, not that I'm modeling too much anymore, but uh, yeah, I, I don't want, big body tattoos it, it wouldn't be my style anyway so the toe is the only thing and I asked them what I should do they all sent me like Eric's kiss makeup all that I, I, I don't like that honestly I, I didn't even know Eric when he wore makeup in kiss so the fox I love it when the fans call me the fox's fox it's adorable I love the, that nickname the fox's fox so cute but the Reality is, Eric and I never really talked about his years with the makeup on because it was 
many years later that we were together and, and I never saw him in his makeup. So anyway, here's another little thing that Kiss fans don't know. I'll tell you, Eric and I had this little thing between us, uh, Iraq. So I was Iraq. Do you know why? Because that's that, that carried backwards is Iraq, like Eric Omar. So I was E-I-R-R-A-C, Iraq. Oh, so, that's interesting. Yeah. Yes. So what I want to do when I get the nerve to re-tattoo this, I don't know if that'll all fit on one toe, but uh, like I can wrap around, but I want to get E-I-R-R-A-C, like wrapped around, like, like a like a ring around my toe because that, that that's a secret thing like if i didn't want to talk about eric to people because it brings back you know some sad memories especially if I, I met a stranger and they say what is that i'm not going to tell them my life story but i would just say oh, it was my name backwards but that that was our special thing between us i was iraq i was we were one you know i was some me backwards on you you know that is interesting. I never, I never would have thought. Well, to put it's not that public knowledge. I'm just sharing it with you now. Well, do you want me to edit that out? <laughs> no, you can keep it. Okay. I shared it with you for a reason. Well, thank you. Because I, well, I, I, I don't mind you sharing that at all. I, it, it just really hasn't come up in any interview. I don't mind people knowing it. It just hasn't come up yet. When did that, um, do you remember when you guys were putting that, that connection together? Oh, I, I, you know what? We had a very brief four years together. It probably happened in the last two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 it's not like one day we woke up and figured it out. Like, we had so many things between us that, um, are too hard to put in words. Like so many little memories. I'm glad I wrote everything down. Like I wrote so much stuff down, like all of the things that mattered to us, you know? Um, and that was, that was one of them. So anyway, that's, that's just like a weird, a weird thing that like, I never thought anyone else would care about. Like I have a list of things that were special between us. Like puddles and belly buttons, because when we had sex, he he sweat so much. Like there was always a giant puddle in my belly button of his sweat. So it was like that was another joke between us. It's like puddles and belly buttons. You know, like you know when you're in love and you just you have to have things like that. You know, and and when I was ever depressed or upset, and he asked me or was wrong, and I I just didn't know. He'd say, do you want to lay on top of me way up high? And it sounds perverted, but it wasn't. You know what? I He he laid down on the bed, and I just laid on top of him, and we made airplane arms like we were flying. And I'd go, I'm way up high. And all of a sudden, I felt better. Like, that's just one of the little things he did for me that made me feel better. And when he knew that I was, upset you know what he did he took out a pen and a paper and he said what are you upset about and i'm like (laughs) 
And do you know what he did? One by one, he fixed my problem. We started one. Uh, okay, he found a solution. Two found a solution. And people wonder why I'm still so in love with him and why I never forgot him. I've never met anybody, anybody who was like him, like anybody who did that for me. And I've dated, it's not, a long, not in a long time now, but, you know, you read my book. I, I, I did try. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, he's, a, he's a tough act to follow. I, 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 I don't have anybody else I can say of all my relationships that ever did that for me. Like, I don't know, not even with these little crazy special memories that I have. I, I don't have them with anyone else. Well, that says it all right there, right? That that talks about that connection that we did, you know, discuss in that first interview is, you know. Yeah, that's why, you know, you knew. You knew that's why I can't connect with anyone else. Because when I do, it, it's so real and so deep uh, that I can't, I can't do bullshit. Like, I can't take things lightly. I can't do, I can't do fake. I, I, because when you've had the real thing, it it's it, 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 nothing else. You can't. You just can't be fake anymore. And and the other guys that I did try to have relationships with afterwards, they all ended up being jealous of him. And by the way, I never told anybody the things that I'm telling you. Not even in podcasts. Like I that well, I can't remember everything I've ever said. But in general. Um, I oh, I never rubbed it in the guys that I dated after he was dead. I never, I never rubbed Derek in their face. I never even talked about him, like barely at all. Like, but they still found a way to be jealous. Yeah. Well, we could okay. talk, well we could talk about Daily Roth. We could talk about Van Halen for hours on end, and we're just Van Halen fans at the end of the day. Um, love the perspective. Love your thoughts, Carrie. Thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. My favorite subject is Van Halen. So anytime you want to talk Van Halen, I'm your girl. I will keep you up on that. I'll take you up on that. So we'll have to have you back on definitely um, in the near future. And look, you know, we do have some things hopefully planned for the future as well. So we'll definitely got to start getting on that. But thank you again for doing this. Oh my God, thank you for having me because it's, nothing makes me happier than Van Halen. And that's why you asked me to do this because nothing makes Okay, there, there's, you've got some followers, so do I. Hashtag Van Halen. You know what? Van Halen makes us happy. Thank yes. you, Van Halen. Well, everybody, that's Carrie Stevens. I'm Jay Scott. Thank you very much for listening once again. Find us on every podcast platform where you get a podcast. You can like and subscribe us. Please like and subscribe to us. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on or like us on Facebook. Look up Pantheon Pods, the music network of podcasts or podcast of or network of music podcasts, I should say. Take care, everybody. We will talk again soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.